a couple of great live panels coming up in April. If you're in Los Angeles, hey, why don't you come to these? They're going to be fun, and you can get your questions answered. Uh, April 14th, the Conan writers, uh, including the head writer, the former head writer, all the staff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, these are funny, hilarious, smart people. You should come see them talk. Uh, that's on April 14th. And then on April 24th, it's a big panel with Mike O'Malley, who wrote for Shameless. He's also an actor and comedian. He's been around for years, and he's a great guy. Uh, ben Queen, who created A to Z on NBC, has a new pilot this year. Hugh Sturbikoff, also a robot chicken guy, also has a new pilot. Uh, we have the Misha Green and Joe Pokaski, the uh, creators of Underground on uh, WGN. And finally, Stephanie Weir, uh, formerly a writer and actor on Mad TV. She wrote for The Millers. She is terrific and funny and worth your time. That's on April 24th. Come see both of these. Go to writerspanel.tumblr.com for links to tickets. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker for links to tickets. Uh, they all benefit A26LA. So you're doing a good thing for the world and yourself. Hope to see you there. Now entering Nerdist.com. Today's episode is recorded at ATX Television Festival. This year's fest is June 9th through 12th, and you should be there. They've already announced really cool stuff, like an Everybody Loves Raymond reunion, Terriers, The Shield, uh, with a bunch of writers from that show. They've got Norman Lear. They've got Hart Hansen. Come on out. Go to atxfestival.com. Get your badge June 9th through 12th, and come say hello. on our panel. In the town of Wayward Pines, she's Kate. You also know her from such TV shows as Karen Sisko, Entourage, and many, many more. She's also the star of the number one movie in America right now, so, you know, no big deal. Uh, Carla Gugino. And he read a little book that hadn't been published yet. He said, I'm going to make that into a TV uh, series. And he wrote it on spec. And let me tell you, that's not something people do in Hollywood. And then you don't see him on TV like this. He's the creator of this version of Wayward Pines, Chad Hodge. So the twist, which is similar to the twist in the books, but not exactly. Chad, when you got to the answer in the books, give me your reaction. And what had you been thinking? Did you guys like it? Um, okay, there, there we go. Okay, so your question was, when did the answer come in the books? And, and what was your reaction when you got to the answer? Right, okay, so when I was reading the first book, which, uh, like, like you said, I got three months or so before it was published, I was reading it, you know, 
I read it in a day and a half, turning the pages like crazy. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And there were all these, you know, the, the very all the same mysteries and, and questions and what the fuck is going on here through the entire book. And the more I read, the more I thought, there's no way this guy has a good uh, ending for this. <laughs> this there, there, there's no way there's going to be something that's satisfying and makes sense because there's so many plot holes in this. How could, you know, the time and the years and the... Um, and when I got to the ending, which is this, uh, I couldn't believe it. I was astounded that, that actually all of the questions I had and all of the plot holes I so smartly thought I had found were, were plugged by, by, this, uh, by this idea. You know, I really, I was actually thinking of that about this particular episode today because it's the moment also doing the show, as, as, as that sort of starts to unfold, all of a sudden what's so wonderful is when you go back and look at the, as I did with the scripts even, but when you go back and look at the shows before, you will see the episodes before, everything totally clocks, everything actually makes sense. So the way in which we are perceiving certain scenes in the moments we're watching them as an audience, then you look at it and you go, oh right, I could have been looking at it this way. It's, it actually completely works, which is cool. Right. Well, Chad, tell the tell the nice people what they will notice if they go back and watch the first four episodes. What will they suddenly sure. see now? Um, well, you know, starting at the beginning, it's it's the you know why did he get into this car accident and why doesn't he remember and why is Kate Houston, who who Carla plays, why is she saying that she's been here for twelve years when he uh, he remembers them being together three weeks ago? Why can't he get in touch with uh, the outside world? You know, exactly. why is he leaving messages for his wife and she's not getting them? Yeah, um, that's the when he calls the Secret Service. Uh, and and the, the woman is Secret Service. That woman, like you know, that who is that? That's someone obviously on the inside. Uh, so all these things. I mean, that's just a few. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, now, Carla, you're in a sort of interesting position here because you're playing a character who would not know these things, mm-hmm. and yet there are all these questions. How much do you want to know as an actress about things that your character wouldn't know? Like, mm-hmm. for example, what year it happens to be. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because also one of the things that I find very interesting about this show, certainly in relation to my character, but to all the characters, is that they all have different levels of information at different points. So sort of when Ethan enters, when Matt Dillon's character enters, Wayward Pines, Kate has more information than he does. But ultimately, he's going to come around and end up having more information than she does. And, and, you know, these things kind of keep moving, which I love about it. Um, You know, I'm an actor that I'm never really hindered by more information. I kind of like to know everything. No, some people don't. You know, like like Terrence, like Terrence just really really wanted to come in and just not Terrence know anything. Was, well, you know, what, nothing. Uh, and and <laughs> no, it was it was kind of funny. Um, so all of the actors, when um, let me go back to something you said earlier, which is you know the, the ending. Uh, it, I think the best writing comes when you know what your ending is. Whether we're talking about mm-hmm. the scene you're writing or the episode you're writing or the show as a whole. You, when I knew that I would be able to know where I was going and what this what, what this ended up being, and you, then you can go. You backtrack through all the episodes and make sure all your setups and payoffs are, are working. Uh, it just, I think, works so much better. And when you're casting a show and you're talking to actors, especially actors of this caliber, like this woman sitting next mm-hmm. to me, um, you know, they want to know what. Okay, so what happens with my character and what what is the story and what am I signing on for? And I was able to tell them, yeah. um, you know, w- without spinning wheels or making something up or like, oh, it's it's going to be great. Like you'll see, just you know, um, I was able to specifically tell them, and they all wanted to know, uh, except for Terrence Howard. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to tell him, you know, and and on the phone, you know, okay, so here's he's like, no, 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 man, don't tell me, don't tell me. I just want to like go with it. I'm like, great. 
Yeah, Perfect. Toby Jones and I were talking about it often because we're both, uh, and, and Melissa as well. I mean, we were all, it was a, it was a group of inquisitive-minded minded actors for sure. And, uh, and so at every time, he was like, every time I call Chad and ask a question, he has an answer. It's very comforting. Um, <laughs> so it, um, and of course, you know, the thing about television that's interesting is no matter how much, you know, un- unless the episodes are literally all written before you begin, there is a, a template and then it kind of has a life of its own as, as the show is going on. So it, it felt like we were all, by the end of this many months in Vancouver in the winter in this little town called Agassiz where we shoot that, that one road town of Wayward Pines, it felt like we were all living in Wayward Pines, <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah. We got out, though. <laughs> yes, we did. We escaped. Yeah. We escaped Wayward Pines, we think. Yeah. Well, Carla, how much are you digging this new move towards the limited series, the thing we used to call miniseries, yeah. but we don't call it anymore? I know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I realized that, too. I was like, I guess that ages me. I, I mean, I always thought this was a miniseries, but... <laughs> But it's uh, it's one, an event yeah. series, too. But now that means that you actually can go yeah. in and have a showrunner tell you what happens in episode right. eight, whereas on a network show, they wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. No, for me, uh, I feel extremely strongly about this, actually. I think it is almost impossible, and we can all cite very few examples, where you can make the quality of show you want to every episode for 24 episodes in that period of time. It's just, it, you can have the most talented people on every level, and it's incredibly difficult to do. So to me, 10 is like sort of the magic number of being able to tell, to have, delve into character in a way that you can't in a three-act structure of a film, but also be able to, um, you know, really um, make sure every episode is as good as you want it to be, and uh, and it feels like an extended film, but with the luxury of, of more time to explore character. So I, I really love it, and I love watching it as a viewer as well. Chad, I want to talk a bit about the nature of the way you did the reveal, because it seems very interesting to me that this is a story where Ethan is the main character, and the way that you choose to have this revealed is in an episode where he doesn't say a single word for 33 minutes in the episode. It's all He's sort of being... He's out searching for the answers, and yet the answers just come to Ben. So talk about, about sort of the two different intersecting versions of truth. Right, exactly. Um, thank you for noticing that, by the way. And, 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 and that's a little bit different. If you've read the books, it's, it's revealed in a slightly different way. It's the same exact truth in, in, of what Wayward Pines is, but, but, but we revealed it in a slightly different way. Um, first of all, we wanted to do it halfway through uh, in this way. The, the reveal of the truth comes at the end of the first book. There are three books, and all three, the territory of all three books is covered by the ten episodes. Um, and in, in what we wanted to do with this episode, you know, Carla just had mentioned something about how we have a whole, had a whole template for the show, but then when you're working on it, certain things change. Hope Davis is one of those things. She was only supposed to do two episodes. And then when she came in in episode four, which you might have seen, which aired last night, um, we sort of all looked at each other and were like, this is amazing what she's doing uh, with, with, with Mrs. Fisher with this character. She's and, so incredible in it, right? Oh, so I love her. And then, it, and then we brought her much more into the series, and she's in uh, every episode after this. And so uh, we thought, wouldn't it be interesting to have the truth revealed by her to the first generation? Because as you, you, know, as you saw in this episode, as you see in the episodes after this, um, it's all about the, the kids. You know, the, the, the adults are here to basically have the kids. Mm-hmm. And that these, the, you know, these young minds and these children will take over Wayward Pines and the future of humanity. And uh, so to have it revealed to them 
felt like we killed, it's, it's not even like kill two birds with one stone, but it's like you got two things in this episode, actually. You, you got the truth, but you got it in a way that then propels you to the next chapter of our story of like, oh, the kids, and that's what it's doing. So you, you kind of you get both. Rather than having, um, which is the way it is in the book, is, is Pilcher, uh, played by Toby Jones, explains everything to Ethan. So that's the difference. Yeah, this is, he's a very smart character, that, um, and as Toby Jones is as an actor. But what I do love about this episode, too, is that um, you start to see he's constructed this very carefully. And you start to understand why everyone's there and what part each of us play in it in a really interesting way, starting about now. And wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't Carlos so good in this episode? Isn't it one, some of my best yeah. work? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I liked that I'm, we're coming here today to talk about this show, that this is the only episode my right. character's really nodding. But you guys have been watching the show. You know what she's doing in the show, which is amazing. No, I love yeah. the whole show. This is one of my favorite episodes, too. So. <laughs> one of the things that I think is sort of the most interesting about the reveal is what it says about the people who don't know and how they're going through their lives. So knowing what the secrets are, what does this tell you about how Kate has been living these past 12 years and what her sort of self-denial has been like, I guess. Well, I think what's interesting is if you think about Kate and Ethan as as partners, Secret Service partners, besides the fact that they were also having an affair, they're very different. You know, he's much more, um, and, and Matt is such a, a, a dude, you know, he's such a man, and he so sort of comes in, muscles his way, you know, Ethan, to try to get the answers. And Kate is incredibly skilled and very smart and uh, and I and, and really tried, and you'll see in future episodes, you'll see a bit of when she first came to Wayward Pines, and it gives a lot of context to who she is, um, which we talked about that a lot. That is some of my favorite stuff um, you see. It's in episode eight. It's really, it's um, and it gives, it gives a real sense of, so this is the thing is, I think that she is exceptional at playing her role possibly the best person in that town at playing that role, but but that ultimately when Ethan enters the picture, this changes a lot for her because she is not only reminded of what she had to let go of, the life before, um, but also that this was a man who she probably has never felt um, that strongly for anyone before or after, and so she will actually take the risk to risk her husband's life, her own life, um, you know, the life of, of people who matter to her in this town to try to save him and it's it really is a chink in her armor in that way so um yeah so there there's there's definitely um a multitude of layers to this character which you've yet to see but i, I really love about playing her but we do get to see more young kate quote unquote you will see a little bit more young kate yes <laughs> yes now chad i've read the books and i don't have an answer to this Teenagers are, you know, they tend to be sort of erratic as people. Mm. Why is it a good idea to entrust this much relationship for all of humanity to teenagers? Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, you know, I often liken it to, you know when you're like in third grade or fourth grade or whatever grade it is when you learn that there are nine planets and a solar system and all this other stuff out there that you can't actually see, um, and you're nine or ten years old and you're like, all right. You know, cool. Like you just believe that, and and uh, and 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 that's crazy. If you were forty years old and you had never heard that, and someone said, "Oh, by the way, there are nine planets out there," you'd be like, "Fuck you! What are you talking about? That's insane." Um, and uh, and and that's really what it's about: is that <clears throat> the minds of young people are more open and more sponge-like and, and, and more uh, willing to, to accept. And, and so when, when in this episode, 
when your teacher says, this is what's happening, it's the year 4028, it's, it's mind-boggling, but they sort of go, oh, okay, and that makes me feel special. And what do young people want to feel more than anything is special and important and heard and all of that. And so they sort of take that on. And then also, which what Mrs. Fisher tells them is, like, if you tell your parents, they might kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and you. Well, on the same note, then, why is this Norman Rockwell version of suburbia kind of thing. Why is that the way that they want this town to be orchestrated? The way Pilcher wants it to be. Yes. Um, yeah, the way he, want, he wants it to be that way because he, uh, he thought that humanity and you'll see some of this in, in, in the next episode where he, he explains even more to Ethan and shows him the behind the scenes of Wayward Pines. But he, he uh, wants a more idealized view, version of humanity. He thinks, and, and it's fact in the story of this show, that humans destroyed themselves, uh, destroyed the race, the, the planet, I mean, which we are doing, uh, you could argue. And, uh, and, and at what point did it sort of start to go south? And he pinpoints all the things in his mind that made it go south, whether it's TV, here we are. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, there are no televisions in Wayward Pines. Whether it's, uh, whether it's cell phones, whether it's... What, all, the, all the things that he didn't like about the world aren't in Wayward Pines, and all the things that he did are in Wayward Pines. So it's, he thinks, let's give humanity a chance to, to do it right. Let's be happy. He really does want people to be happy. And you'll see in the next episode why there have to be these harsh rules and, and, and this, uh, in, in, quote, insanity and, and, and the reckonings and the things like that. Uh, there is a reason for it all, and he wishes it didn't have to be. Yeah, I love that the, that one man's aesthetic created this, you know, place. Because if we were in that position, our our, our place that's the sort of the perfect world would look very different. Um, and as you start to see Pilcher more and more, and see sort of where he came from, to it, it really does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I think that's interesting about your character, Carla, is the twelve-year gap. That mm-hmm. she has. So there are these conversations that she had last week with Teresa, with mm-hmm. character. And so for one of these two women, there's an affair that just happened. And then for the other one, she's been living her life for 12 yeah. years. How do you sort of factor that into a dynamic in a scene? It's so funny that you should say that because someone was just asking me about that scene today and what, and they thought it was just super interesting and what, what about it was most interesting to me. And it's exactly that, which is, um, it's a very different thing when you're looking back 12 years ago at a mistake that you feel that you made um, that you would have not probably acted in the same way at this point. You know, it's sort of looking back with a sense of nostalgia and looking back with a sense of perspective. And Teresa is in the thick of it, and she still has that that very resonant pain that's from something just happening. Um, and that was such a beautiful thing about that scene for both, for both Shannon and I to play. Also because one of the things that we talked about very early on Chad and I spoke about it, Shannon and I spoke about it as well, is, is the idea that this is not, the, this sort of cliche idea of like women hating women or somebody, one woman being out to get the other woman, like none of that was very interesting to us. Um, you know, in the moment when life is at stake and the stakes are this high uh, and women have this capability anyway, there's something about the fact that these two women actually share more with each other than most people almost because of this affair. It's not that the affair was the right thing to happen. It's none of those things. But they find themselves in a place where they're kind of laying bare in front of each other. And, uh, and you know, and, and Kate has more information at this point than Teresa, so it's a, hard, it's a much harder conversation for Teresa to have from that perspective to, to even believe that Kate might have good intentions for her. But for sure, from Kate's perspective, she actually does. So, yeah, it's a really... That's, it's it a was, wonderful. It yeah, I'm so glad you're bringing that up because it was really important to me not to do that obvious thing of... 
you bitch, you bitch. I, I mean, there were certainly people um, who thought, oh, like, there would, be a, there would be a cat bite. They would be tearing each other apart. Like, they both want Ethan. Like, and that, to me, is, like, the, the, such the simple way to look at that story and, and not what I was interested in writing. It's, like, I want to see these two women support each other, ultimately, and be there for each other because they're all in this big situation. And what I think makes uh, for... It's probably similar for, for acting and, and writing, I think, but the best scenes, I think, the most fun to write and probably the most fun to act are when you know exactly what your point of view is in the scene and when it could only be in this show. Like, yeah. that scene could only be in Wayward Pines, right? Yeah. Like, that, the, these two women in this situation specifically, yeah. and that's, that's what so was so fun for me about writing the show. Yeah. Now, having this big an episode at number five, that sort of throws out, I guess, the traditional arc that a TV season has, where people go, okay, the, the big reveals are all coming in the penultimate episode or the last episode. So what can you tell the nice people that they can still look forward to in terms of excitement now that they really, you know, they know everything? Yeah. Um, well, it, it really is all downhill from here. No. Um, <laughs> no. It's, uh, it, it, it becomes more interesting, I think, uh, you know, because there's so many shows we've seen where it, it holds, like, this would be the last episode. And you go, okay, done. Um, but this, this reveal, actually, there's no magic about it. There's no, I mean, you know, I guess you could call it sci-fi in a way, but it could technically happen. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's pretty, it's pretty grounded. And what do people do in this situation once they know the truth is so, uh, is so interesting and where it goes from here. And, you know, what are Kate and Harold doing to try to get out of here? And what is Ethan going to do now? And is he going to embrace Wayward Pines or is he going to fight against it? And what is Ben going to do? And I mean, there is so much to like, now what do we do? Which I think is, is, is just as interesting as, as what is it? When we were first speaking about it at the beginning and I was asking Chad and he was giving me the, the lay of the land so to speak. I, I really, one of the things I loved about that is that, you know, these, these, the, the plot twists and, and, and these reveals and, and what's happening plot-wise, the concepts are really interesting, very dynamic, keep you engaged. But also, I was just so happy that, that it wasn't like you give me this information and then you leave me. You know, it's like I'm interested in the audience now engaging with these characters who are trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and, and that, that, you, that you also are trying to figure that out with us. And, uh, and to me, that is more interesting just because, um, you know, the other thing that I do like about the elements of sci-fi in the show is that I think any good sci-fi, um, it, certainly Twilight Zone was amazing at it, or if you think of something like Black Mirror right now, and, you I know, they're, they're so good. Yeah. There are these shows that, you know, they do reveal also things that are going on in our world today. They're very sort of, they're little spotlights on, um, uh, you know, on elements of truth and things that are very universal. So um, it's I, I certainly a microcosm for our world, Wayward Pines. And now we get to, you know, after this, all the all the artifice is is ripped away. So now, you know. Kate, you, you see the real Kate, and, and you see everyone Finally. starts to... <laughs> I've been holding on for so long. Yeah. But everybody gets to act real, and you, sort of, you see what's, what's really going on and, and what the underbelly is, and uh, it becomes very intense, and, it, and it's not just, a, oh, now what do we do? Now they're go someone's going to do something about it, and you'll see, and, and it gets very, very, very interesting. I want to make sure that the crowd gets a chance to ask questions as well, so get those things in your head, and we'll open things up in a second. Now, when we talked before the start of the season, you made it sound as if there was the possibility of going forward, but this was always announced as a close-ended, you know, whatever. Well, this is a show that has done fairly well for Fox this summer. It's been steady against competition and, you know, big DVR numbers and all of that. In your mind, is a second installment of Wayward Pines going from, eh, it could happen, to, I really want to tell this story in a second season? You know, um, 
of course that would be great. It, you, but this was really designed uh, as as just these ten episodes. I mean, it really is a beginning, middle, and an end. And and one of the things I love about this season, I mean, this series, is that it's uh, there's no cheats or manipulations or lies. Like it's not like I'm telling you it's a beginning, middle, and an end. But really, there's a cliffhanger, and we're hoping for a season two. And there, it's it's really these ten episodes, and that's you know it's based on all three books that have been written. Um, Blake Crouch, the author of the books, and I have certainly, you know, batted around a couple of ideas of what uh, future books and maybe a second season could be. But it, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't designed that way. And of course, we'd be flattered and, and would love to do to do more. But um, it wasn't designed that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. who out there has queries? I see at least a couple. So, if someone over there is there, someone with the microphone over there. You guys, do they do the warm chocolate chip cookies at this one, too? Or just the one on Lamar? Does anybody know? It's a very important question while the mic is getting passed around. I've got a day and a half here. I've got to get them. And the chocolate chip cookies, not queso or any... Uh... Whatever with the other yummy things, the warm chocolate chip cookies while you're watching. By the way... If, just, if you want to know anything about Carla Gugino, this is it. She knows where to get the best food in every city, at, 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 like, at, at, everywhere. Or as best suggestions ever. She knows what to do. Let's see. Is there anyone with a microphone or not? We can probably I de- can yeah, hear you. I, I definitely saw a couple. So, okay, I saw a hand there, I think. Yes. It's revealed in the next episode. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's one right behind him. Um, I haven't read the books. I started one episode last week and I missed it because of work. So M. Night Shemlon was associated. Yeah. That's why I'm here today. So what is he involved with? I mean, what's, what's, his, what's the story? Right. So M. Night Shyamalan directed the first episode. The, the, is that the one that you saw? Did you see the very first one or the one? The, no, it was last week. Okay, okay. She started at episode you three. You just jumped in. You <laughs> jumped were like, in. I don't care where we are. Yeah. Here I go. All the episodes are available on uh, Fox now, fox.com. Hulu, all that stuff. Um, but, uh, but so he directed the first episode, and he's an executive producer of the whole series. So he was in, involved with you know uh, shaping the story with with me through 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 all ten. But but he just directed the first one. And he was uh, he was really since you obviously um, are, are, are a fan as am I. Um, he we really had such a great time working on that first episode. It was a really nice way to begin um, with him as a director, uh, just visually and and um, and he's really he really really loves actors and his his um, his he's got an eagle eye and his notes are really precise and really helpful and um, and. Uh, and and I I feel like this this show certainly is in, very much in keeping with um, kind of his beginnings really in yeah. terms of love of mystery and and uh, character driven mystery. I, I wrote the as um, Daniel said when we started. I wrote the first episode on spec after writing after reading the book. And then we, before we wanted to take it out to sell it, we said, let's attach a director to this. And we had a, lo- a whole list, and, and M. Night Shyamalan's name was at the top of the list, and this was three years ago, um, kind of right at the beginning of when f- the feature directors were coming into the TV world and feature actors were coming into the TV world. So it wasn't, it was sort of like, well, what? M. Night Shyamalan's never done TV, he's never going to do this, but let's see if he would, because he would be the perfect person to establish the tone of this show because 
Um, one of the hardest things to, to do and the easiest thing to misfire is tone. And in this show, there's a very specific mix of paranoia and thrills and, and humor and dark humor, which is a hard thing to sort of to make work as a mix. And uh, he you certainly was uh, like, you know, the ideal person to do that. And so we sent him the script and we thought, oh, he's never going to do this. And it's going to take him four weeks to read the script and we're going to have to wait and he's going to pass. And, and then the next day he called and said, um, I love this script. Uh, as long as everybody's not dead, I want to do this. <laughs> so, um, so I went out to Philadelphia, met with him, and we, we talked about the show, and, uh, and, and I think he did a, such a great job of, you know, casting the show and establishing the tone and, and setting, setting the whole look and feel of it for the rest of the nine episodes. And Carla, so many of the directors who directed subsequent episodes, many of them come from sort of indie film backgrounds. Did, did it feel different from your point of view, some of the people who were working behind the scenes on this? Yeah. Tell um, about Zal. Um, your, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, Zal Batmanglich, who, um, who directed the, the last episodes three and four. So if you guys have been catching up, that's that, the ones that you just saw um, before five, which was Jim Foley, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing as well. But Zal directed a, a couple of really wonderful independent um, movies, uh, one called The East with Alexander Skarsgård and, 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 and Britt Marling. And he and Britt Marling are writing partners on, on many things and actually will have their own new show soon. But this was his first uh, foray into television as well. And yeah, I had just seen The East and I was like, this guy is so good and he's so tonally back to tone right for this show, I think. I have to call these guys and just say, I really think you should meet him because they were looking for directors and, and everyone, including Knight, had said, you know, we really want to try to find really wonderful independent film voices and visions and people who can work quickly but with that kind of cinematic sensibility. And, and so anyway, then they met and really connected and hit it off and he's the only one who directed two episodes in a row right and yeah. uh and he's yeah he was exceptional and and nimrod antal um who uh, is quite a name and he will admit it himself um uh he um he was he actually um he, he worked down here because they did predator with that robert rodriguez produced um that he's he's a wonderful director and um we just we really did we had a really great and you do feel the difference and it was it felt very much like we were making a series of you know i also think that right now television is everyone talks about the golden age of television and all these things and it's so true and it's so exciting for for artists um but also it's kind of what we were able to do with independent film or lower budget um you know uh, studio films which studios don't really make anymore um is that you have an you get to have an auteur's vision that's, that's actually seen through that's that's actually is it sort of gets to the screen in the way that they initially set out to do it and it gets to explore character in a way that you can't often in a three-act structure and and uh so it's really it makes a lot of sense to me that a lot of independent filmmakers are coming here because they can get their vision across and you guys can see what people actually want to be making as opposed to a ton of cooks in the kitchen in that way. Let's try to get in a couple more from the crowd. There are a couple on this side who... I know, it's kind of funny. She's the only normal one in town. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see. I mean, everybody sort of serves a purpose, uh, and, and they're all, uh, you'll, you'll see in an episode coming up, well, you know, yes. I don't want to say too much. <laughs> there was some, there we are. Yeah. If they've all been frozen all this time, why didn't they just bring her and his family in together? 
Good question. If, if, did everyone hear that? Okay. Um, well, because uh, it's it, it's all a psychological process of of you know. People are brought out in different orders, obviously. So Carla's been here. Carla's character, Kate Houston, has been here for 12 years. Ethan has been here for, you know, a few days. And everybody is brought out in different order according to need. So um, what you'll find out, and I think it is a little, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but not too much, but that, that, um, that Ethan was brought out because Pilcher was done with Sheriff Pope. Right, so he was like he he, need, he wanted a new sheriff in town, uh, someone who the who the people in town would trust more because he was one of them, and uh, and 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 Pope was sort of getting a little out of control. And what happens in the first four episodes is you know is exactly sort of what Pilcher wanted to happen, and he wanted Ethan to become the sheriff. And it all sort of happened, but then of course Ethan's our hero, and he climbs out, and he finds out the truth. But, um, but, but people are brought out according to need, uh, according to Pilcher's need, really. Okay, let's see about one more. Um, down the center, two-thirds back. Yep. It's... <laughs> it's well. It's I'm not accurate. Him. <laughs> it's it's not accurate, obviously, because Juliet Lewis is. You've seen enough episodes to know that she's not in all of these episodes. So it's it's not it's not accurate. And and without giving you too much detail, because I don't want to spoil anything. That's uh, uh, so much of the fun of this show is that uh, again, there are no lies and cheats in this. So pretty much consistently, if someone is killed, they're dead. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's try to get one more in. Okay, there. there. Right. Um, episode five, late in the game? Yeah. Um, well, according to the book, yes, you're right. If I had followed the book's plot uh, uh, exactly, we would have gotten to the truth at about episode three. Um, I, when I, like I told you, when I read the book, I was so uh, inspired by it and so excited by it, that I, excited by it that I wanted to sit down and start writing right away. Um, and so I literally the next day sat down and started writing the, the spec script. And I remember when I read the book, I... I was making a lot of markings through the book, but I wrote uh, when 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 Sheriff Pope pulls Ethan over after you know when he's like going trying to get out of town with the steals the car he's trying to get out of town the road loops back and all that stuff and then he sees the fence and the whole thing comes back to his car and Sheriff Pope is like he goes how do you get out of here you don't that I remember, I wrote in the margin of the book I said end of pilot. I was like, that's, like, I just knew. It's, it was very strange. You know, you're not often inspired in this way and excited in this way as a writer. So a lot of times it's just a job. And when it's this exciting, it was, I didn't actually uh, think about it so much is the real answer. I sort of th- saw exactly what I wanted the pilot to be when I read the book and then sat down and I wrote the first draft in about four weeks, which is, I mean, I know that maybe sounds like a, like a humble brag or something, but it's more to say, like, I kind of just saw exactly what I thought the first episode should be and didn't want to think about it too much. Um, I just wanted to write it. So. so thank you, Fox, very much for bringing this very special episode Thanks of Wayward Pines. And of course... And thank you, of course, to Chad and Carla for answering your questions or the ones that they could answer without spoiling things. <laughs>
Thank Wait. you, Daniel. Thank you so That's much. Awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 